Hello folks, this is Chopping It Up with CJ. I'm your host, Chris James, and this is Turf Talk Thursdays. So what do we do on Turf Talk Thursdays? We go over the upcoming slate of games for the week that's in hand. We also go over my picks for the week as far as my record, both against the spread and straight up, as well as my uh, 10 confidence score picks. And I'll also give you the Thursday night's fantasy football outlook since the show on Friday, the fantasy football show will already be, you know, irrelevant by then to give you Thursday's picks. So I give them on this show. Uh, So without further ado, we're going to get into this week's show. This is episode eight of the show. So we're going to be covering week eight of the NFL slate. For those who uh, aren't familiar yet, go ahead and give me a follow on Twitter. My handle is CJFlorida9, that's at CJ, the entire state of Florida spelled out in the number nine. So we're going to start off with the picks. So I had a really rough week last week. I'm not used to going generally about 500, and that's basically what I did, especially if you combine the against the spread and the straight up. I went 13 and 13 with those two combined. It was ugly. So straight up now, I am. I went 7 and 6 last week. And I'm 67 and 40 on the season. That's still 63%. It's not not great. I'm used to being closer to 70 uh, straight up. But against the spread, I'm 51, 36, and 4. That's 58%. And I was 6 and 7 this past week. Now, 58% still making you some money. But at the same point in time, it's below my standard. Uh, so I have to be cleaner and better this week. And then my 10 confidence score. Basically, it's my lock. Uh, I was a 1-1 last week. And in fact, now I'm 7-2 on the season at 77%. You know, if you watch the game between the Washington football team and the Green Bay Packers, you understand that the Green Bay Packers got outplayed everywhere except on the scoreboard where it matters. So it was a tough one for me because, again, I'm not used to being this level of wrong. So without further ado, we're going to get into the week eight slate of the uh, information. And tonight's game, the Thursday night game, the Green Bay Packers and the Arizona Cardinals are up on the slate. Now, for the Cardinals, they have to stay patient on offense. Look, this is a big game, and no matter what people want to say, when you have a team that's not used to being pretty much the creme de la creme, the bell of the ball, whatever terminology you want to use, sometimes they can start to press, especially playing against a veteran-laden team like the Packers. So they have to stay patient on offense and not make mistakes that can put them behind the eight ball. For the Green Bay Packers, they have to bring artificial pressure. What I mean by that is you don't have to actually bring five or six. You need to give the presence of five or six. Use a lot of stunts, bring linebackers in and dropping ends out to just kind of frustrate or hurry Kyler Murray because what you don't want to do is put yourself in a position where now Kyler Murray just has to beat one person and he's either off to the races for 10 or 15 yards or even worse. Rondell Moore, one of those quick guys, is off to the races for 50 or 60 yards in the touchdown. That being said, I have the prediction on this one with a, a close one. The Cardinals 27, Packers 24. I do think the Packers just play up. You know, the presence of Devontae Adams, I think, makes things a lot easier on Aaron Rodgers. Missing three receivers is going to be tough, but the Green Bay Packers have a pretty deep receiving core with a lot of young talent. They just don't have guys that are used to being in the spotlight and Aaron Rodgers quiet as kept actually asked for Randall Cobb to be back for a game just like this where you need a veteran receiver to keep everyone in line when a guy like Devontae Adams is not there so the betting odds on this one the Cardinals are six point favorites 
So I had the Packers covering. I only have a confidence level of four on this one. Here's the reason. I thought this would be a close game because I have faith in Aaron Rodgers. Now, I just don't know what's going to happen. You know, J.J. Watt was also lost. And I mean, that should, you know, make it easier to pick the Packers in this one. But I could actually see the Packers getting boat raced in this if, for some reason, they get behind early and kind of mailing it in. And I'm not saying that they're not going to try. It's just a, okay, we'll see what happens next week type situation. That's that's what I'm scared of. I'm just giving a lot of credit to the fact that Aaron Rodgers is playing quarterback there and they've been pretty consistent uh, as a team. That 6-0 record without Devontae Adams, I'd like for people to actually pick that one apart and see what teams they play. Did they play some of the best teams in the league during that time frame or did they end up playing the dregs of the leagues in those particular games? Part of why he might have sat out. The over-under is 51 points. Oddly enough, my prediction hit it on the nose. So I'm going with even. I can't give you any sort of confidence score with that. It just means that Vegas did a, a job that's pretty good considering my own expectations. The fantasy outlook for this. So we're going to have the home team and the away team. And we have stardom, sit and sleepers. Now my stardom, it doesn't mean that, you know, you have to start them. What it means is I expect these particular players to exceed their projections on most sites. Sit is the exact opposite. I expect them to not reach those projections from certain sites. So I'm not saying your best wide receiver that you should definitely sit them, but if it's a tough matchup or something that does not look right to me or it pushes me away from something, I will say sit them. And then a sleeper is a guy that generally you did not draft or if you did draft him, he's been dropped or just hasn't had a lot of good weeks of late. So these are people to look for. For the home team, start them. You're starting Kyler Murray. I think he's going to have a quality game. He's probably going to meet his expectation and then possibly surpass it. Chase Edmonds. I think this is a Chase Edmonds game from the perspective that I think they'll be passing the ball out of the backfield more. And, you know, James Conner has been getting those goal line touches. I think that this is a Murray game where either passes, you know, tap passes or his legs get in the end zone. And then Christian Kirk. I believe he's going to function a lot like the number one receiver in some respects tonight. No, I'm not saying that DeAndre Hopkins is not the number one receiver. I'm saying in the progression downfield where big plays can happen, it'll be Christian Kirk. And the projections don't favor him this week. Sidham is DeAndre Hopkins. I feel like he's still a little injured. His target share has gone down some this season. And because of his name and the fact that he is an excellent wide receiver, his projection's high. So I'm just saying temper it there. And the Cardinals defense special teams. With the missing receivers... Everyone's expecting that you're going to get some real positive notes out of this. I think that this will be a close, fairly high-scoring game, and you won't get a lot of sacks or anything on Aaron Rodgers, especially with J.J. Watt not you know, controlling the interior in a lot of ways. My sleeper is Rondell Moore. Rondell Moore is not an actual sleeper because people have drafted him, but he has not shown up in the last couple of weeks the way you would like, so his projection is not high. So you can pop, pop him in the line, lineups, especially if you're playing Daily Fantasy. No way, team. I'm going to go with uh, stardom as Aaron Rodgers. Listen, Aaron Rodgers has been brought down some here. I think he still gets the job done as far as putting up points, and he still ends up finishing in the top 12 at the position. And Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones is probably going to end up getting somewhere around seven or eight receptions in this game. And PPR scoring, which is what I utilize here, you're going to end up with a guy who has a quality fantasy output, and he might even fall into the end zone here. Sidham is the Packers' defense special teams. I don't think that they'll be able to effectively stop Kyler Murray and unless there's a turnover uh, that turns to a touchdown. They're not going to put up any points, and they might end up in a negative for people who play in leagues 
that result in those scoring. Nequidemia St. Brown is a, a name to just kind of look at. He is both young and a veteran, if that makes sense. He could end up having a pretty solid day at the office. So we're going to go ahead and jump into the 1 p.m. slot of games here. And we're going to start with the Carolina Panthers visiting the Atlanta Falcons. Now, for the Falcons, I really think that they need to lean more on what they've been doing of late and start and continue to feed Kyle Pitts. They finally figured out Kyle Pitts isn't this, he isn't that. What he is, is a heck of a football player and a matchup nightmare. For the Panthers, they need to run the offense from last season. Listen, you know, I've been pretty rough on Sam Darnold, but it's because his play has been rough. But what I can say is this, last season, once Teddy Bridgewater came back from injury, they seemed to kind of temper things down. Maybe you need to do more of that. Maybe you need to utilize the short passing game more and just make things simplified for Sam Darnold because he's been struggling of late. And I think last year's offense could probably benefit him getting the ball into the hands of a guy like Chuba Hubbard in open space and not just always running it, throwing the ball and using the screen game more often. My final score on this one, I have the Panthers winning this one, 27-23. I know that the Falcons have played better of late, and I know the Panthers have played worse. If the if you look at the lineups and you look at the talent on both rosters, the Panthers should actually win this by 7-plus points. But they're just not in a good space. They haven't been playing well, and I think this is a turnaround game. For the Falcons, they haven't actually been gangbusters either. They went to London and beat the Jets, and then they barely beat the Dolphins. It's not like they've been blowing teams out, so... I think the better team here is the Panthers. The line on this actually doesn't agree with me. What it says is these are even teams because you don't know what Panther team is going to show up. The line is a three-point spread for the Falcons. For those familiar with betting, the home team generally gets about three to three and a half points of a favor in betting simply because that's what they think home field advantage makes up. So I have the Panthers covering this and winning outright. So I have a confidence level of seven here. Again, they're just the better team. Part of what I think is going to happen is that defensive line will stand up and play uh, up to their talent level, and that'll get them over the hump. The over-under on this is 47. My combined score is over that, and I have a confidence level of 6. I don't think that the Falcons' defense is that good, and I can actually see the Panthers, if they play up to their potential, blowing the Falcons out in this one. I don't expect it to happen, though, because they have yet to play up to their potential over the last month of the season. Next game on the 1 p.m. slate is another divisional matchup with the Miami Dolphins flying up to New York to play the Buffalo Bills in Orchard Park. Uh, for those of you all who will hear it, uh, my actual uh, my must-start of the week is Stefan Diggs this week in that particular matchup because this is ripe for the picking. Um, but my X-Factors, it's going to sound like a broken record, but this is the time to showcase Josh Allen. You know, I'm not saying that the Miami Dolphins run defense is something to write home about. What I'm saying is their pass defense has been lacking. I know that they're starting to get healthier. They got Xavier Howard back, but still lacking. There's too much explosiveness here, and they function better when they're allowing Josh Allen to just be Josh Allen. For the Dolphins, this is time to showcase Tua. Very similarly, while the defense is an excellent defense on the Buffalo Bills side, it's not like they're, they're infallible. They have some holes. They have places you can take advantage of. And Tua has played really good football the last two weeks. I think he finally looks healthy and he has confidence again. And that's a big thing for this guy. Or any quarterback. But my final score prediction on this one is the Bills 35, Dolphins 21. Um, I think it's going to be a, a high scoring shootout type game. And the spread on this is 14. Uh, so I'm even on it. So I can't give you a confidence score. And for those who are new to the show... Um, I 
do my predictions for the games, then I put the lines down and I go from what my prediction was. So I didn't see that the Bills were 14-point favorites. I didn't see that the the over-under was 51 for the game that was even earlier. Sometimes it hits, sometimes it doesn't. So just give me a heads up that it's not being swayed by those numbers. It's being swayed by all the information I know about the game prior. The over-under on this is 48.5. So I have the over with a confidence level of 7. Listen, here's how this goes. I understand why they're putting this over-under here. The Bills have been gangbusters against uh, the opposition at home. I feel like when you have a passing offense playing against an even heavier passing offense, which by the way, the Dolphins are the most pass-heavy team in the league, it's going to give for more possessions. And you have talented players on both sides, on that, on both offenses, that can put up points. This over-under is basically set at 48.5 because of the presence of teams like the Texans, who couldn't score at all completely inept, or the Steelers early in the season, who were offensively inept and needed their defense to carry them. Next game up on the slate should be another pretty much defensive battle in some ways, and that's going to be the San Francisco 49ers at the Chicago Bears. Now, for the Bears, they have to max protect more on offense. I think that they need to do some design runs, but they also need to max protect because there is no reason for Justin Fields to have been sacked within two seconds, like 2.2 seconds, 2.02 seconds, and 1.91 seconds, I think, were the times. There is no way when two player when players are getting blocked that that should happen. That is insane. So they have to match protect more often. They have to protect this guy, their investment in Justin Fields. On the 49ers side, they need to get back to basics on offense. Now G- Debo Samuels has a calf issue. They seem to keep getting injured over there. And I think they kind of got away from their identity, which is more running of the ball. You have guys that you drafted like Trey Sermon. You have... Uh, I think Hasty is back and Elijah Mitchell is your starter. Utilize that run game more. Just utilize it. And and I think that this is the type of game where you just want to get it over with. So this is a good time to get back to basics. My final score prediction on this one is the 49ers 16, Bears 14. I just think that both offenses look like they're stuck in a rut and the defenses, though they have holes, they're not going to be able to be taken advantage of based on how the opposing offense actually deploys their offense. So, this could be a low-scoring game for you all who think that low-scoring games means bad. With all due respect, that's your prerogative, but I think it'll be a good game to watch from the perspective that you'll probably end up seeing a lot of good defensive stands and some, some quality scheming where you really see the two coaches have to come out and do this and prove that they're good coaches. Talking about you, Kyle Shanahan. Uh, the line on this is uh, minus four for the 49ers. Same line they had last week when they got pretty much destroyed at home. Uh, so I have the Bears covering with a conference level of six. I think the Bears can win this one outright, especially if they start to do more for Justin Fields or design runs. There's no reason for Justin Fields to have less design runs this season than Matt Jones. That is insanity. Um, and the over-under on this is 39.5. I have the under with a conference level of eight. Until I see something from either of these offense that sh- offenses that shows me that they're willing to score, there's no reason for me to believe that either one can put up 20 points. Next game on the slate is actually a divisional matchup with the Pittsburgh Steelers traveling to play at the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, the X-Factors or the keys to victory here for the Browns. Can they handle the Steelers' rush? Like, seriously. Because whether it's an injured Baker Mayfield who is more talented than the backup, Case Keenum, that's a problem. If it's Case Keenum, if you looked at the last game, 
where the Broncos downfield refused to tackle but were able to get some level of pressure, they made great play calls, including middle screens, getting the ball out of his hands quickly. That's not going to work against Pittsburgh. That was well to deploy against a team that is struggling on defense right now, but Pittsburgh's not that team. And for the Steelers, feed feed Harris on offense and beat Blitzburg on defense. You don't have to bring six or seven, but they can bring five, and I think that they can get pressure. And if it's Case Keenum, I think Case Keenum might not deal as well with the pressure as he should. And if it's Baker Mayfield, a healthy Mayfield could deal with the pressure. An unhealthy one is liable to turn it over. My prediction on this one is a close game, but the Steelers pulling it out 21 to 20. I just think that the better team here right now, not more talented, I think the team that's playing more as a cohesive unit is the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I think some of the things the Browns were able to take advantage of from the coaching aspect and also the way the defense played they against the Broncos, they won't be able to do that to the Steelers. If they're starting Case Keenum, they're going to lose. And if Baker Mayfield's not healthy enough to be productive if he starts, they're going to lose. The line on this is three and a half for the Browns. That basically means that they're getting this because they're playing at home. It's an even game in their minds. I'm going with the Steelers covering. The confidence level is seven. Again, I have them winning straight up. And I think the Steelers should be favored to win this game straight up by the people who are putting money down. The over-under on this is 42 and a half. So I had the under. I have a confidence level of five on this. I came way too close to the score. It's 42 and a half, and I have 41 as a combined score. I could have easily made it 43 and gone a, a, a half point over. But that's why I'm like, I'm iffy. You go with your gut on this one. It's probably going to be Steelers and, and Browns fans betting on this game anyway, considering how well these numbers are played out. The next game on the slate is going to be probably the most entertaining one for people who love offense, and that's the Philadelphia Eagles at the Detroit Lions. Now for the Eagles, you know, quick question, and this is going to supplement to some extent. I don't mean RPOs. I mean the legitimate quick passing game. Let Hurts get up, take it from under center, and immediately throw a slant. Do some pop passes. Get the ball in the hands of the guys that function well and stop putting your offensive line that is not a cohesive unit right now in a bind when you do rpos it works well for offensive lines that know what's going on they're familiar with how things are going to function you still have issues there you have a young quarterback you have really talented receivers with the ball in their hands in space get the ball in their hands in space and let them do some things stop trying to do these madden plays please eagles offensive coaching staff please And for the Lions, this is the game for DeAndre Swift to be unleashed. You know, they've been trying to utilize him in the passing game and some in the run game, and they want to get Jamal Williams going. I think Jamal Williams is a great back as a complimentary back, and I think that he's useful in some games. This is not the game. DeAndre Swift has to have at least 25 touches in this game. That is the way you have an opportunity to win against an Eagles team that I don't think can handle the talent that DeAndre Swift is. But my prediction on this game, knowing what I know from this season, watching both teams, is the Eagles 32, Lions 28. I don't think Dan Campbell and the staff are going to get DeAndre Swift 25 touches, even though they should. That being the case, unfortunately, they'll lose. If they do, they have an opportunity to win. The line on this one is minus three and a half for the Eagles. This is basically saying, since it's in Detroit, that the Eagles are a superior team by almost a touchdown. I have a confidence level of four that the Eagles will cover this. I have them covering by a half point. The reason I have a confidence level of four is, again, if they get DeAndre Swift the ball enough and it combines with the Eagles doing just these Madden plays that don't work, they can win this game and get their first dub of the season. They shouldn't, though, and the Eagles should win this. The over-under on this is 48. 
I have the over covering pretty easily and handily at 60 combined points. So I have a confidence level of nine on this. I really do believe that this is one of those games where things should take off and you should see some big time scoring. Next game on the slate is another divisional matchup. We've had a lot of them coming up this week, folks, and that's the Tennessee Titans at the Indianapolis Colts. Now, for the X-Factors in this particular matchup, you're going to see the Colts run, 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 run. That's all I'm going to say, literally. They should just run, 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 run. Jonathan Taylor should get a bunch of carries. Marlon Mack should get a handful of carries. Naeem Hines should get a bunch, uh, handful of carries. Run the ball. Control the clock. Do not try to let Carson Wentz be the guy to win because that secondary is banged up uh, on the back end. We saw what happened with Patrick Mahomes and company. Take advantage of the run. Utilize it. As far as the Titans are concerned, use Henry as a decoy early on. I know that's a simple thing to say, but honestly, it's the truth. I think people were expecting after a week when you didn't have to unleash Derrick Henry that he'll be unleashed. Derrick Henry is not the type of guy who says, well, I didn't get my carries this week, so I need to get him this week. Derrick Henry is one of the most unselfish stars in the NFL. I don't know if you all remember this, but I do. Um, He's playing with uh, Deion Lewis. This was, what, four years ago? At least three. It was a Thursday night game. He had four touchdowns. They were trying to get him another one so he can get a record. And he's waving DeAndre, Deion Lewis against the Jaguars back in because he's like, no, you got the, that drive. I think Deion Lewis got a lot of the carries. He's like, no, you get in the end zone. That's the type of guy Derrick Henry is. So if the team needs Derrick Henry to not get touches, he'll be, he'll be fine with it as long as the W happens. But I do think that this is a game where the Colts tried to show their mettle. And I have the final score prediction, the Colts 24, Titans 21, coming off a big victory uh, like they did. It's going to end up, it does affect people, no matter what you want to say. And I think that the Titans, as well-coached as they are and as veteran as they are, can still be affected. They just beat the Chiefs and they beat the dog crap out of them. They may come in a little light and that can turn the tide. So the line on this is the Colts by one and a half. I have the Colts covering this one in a close one. I only have a conference level of five. I think this is a true toss-up game, to be honest. It can go either way. It depends on what team plays the cleaner game. And the over-under is 51 points on this. I have the under with a conference level of six. I think that this will be a more restrictive game on the offensive side for both uh, teams. So next up, we're going to have the Cincinnati Bengals. And they are doing their work against... Hold on one second, folks. Yeah, the Cincinnati Bengals at the New York Jets. Now, for the Bengals, honestly, don't be complacent. They just had a massive victory on the road, and this is a back-to-back road game situation. Um, Massive victory on the road, beating their divisional rivals. Well, now it's become a rivalry of of the the Baltimore Ravens, 41-17. And that can result in some complacency when you're playing a team like the Jets. Probably the most enough team in the NFL over the last month. Or season long, I should say. Um, as for the Jets, use more misdirection with your running backs, honestly. They need to try to utilize the speed of guys like Ty Johnson, the quickness of a guy like Michael Carter. And they need to start doing that because they have a, for all intents and purposes, a rookie-ish quarterback in Mike White. I think this might be his third year um, uh, out of West Kentucky. He's, he, this is his first NFL start. 
So don't put too much pressure on this guy against a Bengals defense that is so underrated. Uh, they're still not getting the credit that they deserve as a top seven unit. Based on what I know, my prediction on this is the Bengals 28, Jets 12. I just think that the Bengals could probably do whatever they want to in this game, but if they play things close to the vest and make sure that they take advantage of what they need to and not give the Jets opportunities, this is an easy win. They just need to get to the finish line. The line on this is Bengals by 10 and a half. And this is my lock of the week. I got the Bengals by 10. Here's the main reason. This does happen to teams. I have seen teams end up falling into the trap of being complacent, but this is a bad confluence of things you have a guy making his first nfl start who's not as talented as the guy who was really putrid for most of the season in this offense what does that mean a guy who's as talented as zach wilson was playing an offense that's horrible so now you're going to put in a, a less talented guy making his first start gotcha number two joe burrow is not going to rest on his laurels they're not going to do that this might be a turn the tv off blowout this could end up being that, looking like the Bucks versus the Dolphins. That's what it could turn into. I'm keeping this score from a prediction standpoint a little closer simply because I believe that the Bengals will ease through the finish line. And why it's my lock of the week is, again, Joe Burrow is one of my guys, one of the quarterbacks that I trust. I've talked about him in nauseam. He's, he's my number two rated quarterback since 2016 coming out in the draft. He is a guy who... Only Deshaun Watson do I feel is better at this thing when he was coming out in the draft since 2016. Right ahead of Patrick Mahomes is where I had Joe Burrow. The over-under on this is 43. I have the under with a conference level of six. Again, this could end up looking like a game where it was Buffalo versus Houston and one team scored 40. The other team decided to put up a donut. So this could end up being a game like that. I do have a little more faith that the Jets can put up some points because they have a little more, I don't know. I just have more faith in them that they will not lay a goose egg in this one. Next game up on the slate, speaking of the Texans, is the Texans hosting the Los Angeles Rams. Now the Rams. Now you can open up the offense. See, last week my warning was don't try to because you're going to fall into a trap of proving that Matt Stafford's the guy versus his old team and all this stuff and the showcase. Nah, this is the week when you decide to do whatever you want to. All the stuff that you want to do, all the weird stuff you want to do on offense, the, the throwbacks and the Cooper Cup playing quarterback, open it up. Do whatever in the heck you want to and see if it actually works against an NFL caliber defense. And for all of you all who want to laugh at it and say they're not, that's stupid. This is an NFL caliber defense. They're just not good right now. All those dudes can play football. They wouldn't be paid money to do it at <laughs> If they couldn't, so just quit with that. As far as the Texans, don't allow for the big play. I would say for the Texans, honestly, deploy because you have this expectation of the Rams using this, deploy like a faux Tampa 2. Basically, show the blitz quite a bit. Show that you're going to blitz. Press man on the outside. You know what it's going to do? Bail those safeties back. Drop the linebacker right in the middle so that there's no easy throws over the middle. Force the Rams to be uber patient on offense. They can do that, but with a game like this, they might not want to. And that's how you might get turnovers. And Stafford's willing to throw the ball to you, quiet as kept. My prediction on this is the Rams winning 30-13. to 13. Giving the Texans 13 points here. Going out on a limb. Um, betting odds on this. 
line is minus 14 and a half for the Rams. I actually have the Rams covering this and I have a confidence level of nine. I do think the, the Rams can do basically what the Cardinals did last week. The biggest issue I have with it is that you never know what, what's going to happen in a game like this. I have very strong confidence that 14 and a half is no issue, but can have the dumbest fumble late that just turns the favor. So while I'll say I do have confidence on this, that the Rams will cover this number, it's not a lock for me this particular week, just under with a confidence level of nine. So we're going to move into the 4 p.m. slot of games. And the first one is going to be the New England Patriots traveling out west, having a good time in Los Angeles for <laughs> as much as they can against the Chargers. So the Chargers... You know, they need to utilize the Patriots' plan of act, plan of attack against Mac Jones. And what does that mean? Last year when they played against Justin Herbert, the Patriots, they confused him. They brought a lot of different coverages. They jumped in and out of places. They were able to effectively blitz, leaving him to make a move to a side of the field that, oh, this is cover six that I'm throwing to. I thought it was cover. Nope, nope, nope. It's not three, it's six. Okay, I'm done. And it took it, it, it did them in. You have the pieces on this Chargers defense. Very fast, very free-flowing guys that can affect Mac Jones. Again, Mac Jones played really well in a couple of games this, league, this season. Those games ended up being against the Jets. And for those who say he played well against the Cowboys, I think that he had great numbers. But I don't think he was great in the game. He looked great last week, though, against an NF Jets team. As far as for the Patriots, or with the Patriots, let Mac Jones prove he's the guy. This is a great game for Mac Jones to prove he's the guy. Because I think Mac Jones, and I've said this, is the was the most NFL-ready. If you needed someone to start week one for your team, he was the guy who would be the most prepared. He is the most prepared because his physical limitations compared to the other guys meant that he was going to be on his P's and Q's. Not that the other ones didn't work hard, but that's Mac Jones' superpower, being super uber-compared. Are prepared. So let him prove it this week because they're going to need him to. I think that this is going to be a big Justin Herbert week to be candid uh, in this particular matchup. The score here is indicative of me taking into account who and what Bill Belichick is. So it's super awkward. I told you earlier that I predict the scores and then I utilize whatever the lines are. I have the Chargers winning 29 24. It's a five point spread uh, difference, right? The line on this is four and a half for the Chargers. Vegas, interesting. Uh, so I have the Chargers with a confidence level of five because I have them covering by a hook by a half point. Only a confidence level of five because, again, that line is too close to what I was saying, giving Belichick the benefit of the doubt. The over-under in this is 49.5. I have the over with my score going at 53. So I have a confidence level of six. A little bit more, I would guide you towards going with the over because... I think that the Patriots can put up some points, but I'm assured that the Chargers can. The next game on the slate is one that has less offensive talent on it than the one prior, and that's the Jacksonville Jaguars at the Seattle Seahawks. Funny you say that because on the exteriors, there's more talent, especially on that Seahawks side, neither here nor there. But keys to victory, the Jaguars bring pressure often. I think that they need to start blitzing. This is not that Geno Smith is bad at football. This is just you have a team that was designed for Russell Wilson. Geno Smith's not Russell Wilson. He, there's very few facsimiles of Russell Wilson in the league. 
if there was a close one, they'll play in the same division, and he's not even a facsimile in Kyler Murray. Guys who can move off schedule and make excellent deep ball throws moving to the left. I've never seen people be that good doing that as I have seen with Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson. Right, so bring pressure often. For the Seahawks, don't allow any layups. See here, the Seahawks played a very shelled coverage against the New Orleans Saints. They were like, okay, play with the interior of the D-line, swished in, have our secondary play a little bit with the off, basically like we'll give up the five-yard route, and then the linebackers be responsive to come up for the run. They need to they're gonna they need to play a very similar defensive scheme. Why? James Robinson is a really good running back. You know, he's almost as good of a runner, if not as good of a runner, or possibly better as a true running back than Alvin Kamara is. And people are going to land base me for that. Alvin Kamara is a much better weapon, but for picking holes and actually being specifically a running back, James Robinson is an underrated talent at doing that. He has great vision. So my prediction on this is a close one, but the Seahawks pulling it out 24-22. The line on this is the Seahawks by three and a half. So I have the Jags covering. I actually think the Jags can win this one straight up. I feel like this is a sneaky game for the Jags to steal in this one coming off the bye. Let's have a confidence level of seven on it that the Jags cover. The over-under in this is 44. My score predicted the over by two points. Here's what I'll say on that. I don't have a lot of confidence in that. I feel like this can be a sloppy game. Neither offense impresses me right now. So I have a confidence level of four. And again, while the talent level for Trevor Lawrence is there, and I do believe he's starting to turn the corner. He hasn't proved it yet, if you get what I'm saying. Basically, early in the season, I like that the Jaguars just let him go be stupid. It's like Rumspringer. Hey, just go make mistakes. Go be silly so you can figure out what works and what doesn't work. And it feels like he's starting to understand what doesn't work. <laughs> so that's a positive sign. So you never know. In this particular situation, he may go silly. Or he may just be smarter and really, truly be turning the corner. All right, next game on the slate is the Washington football team at the Denver Broncos. And this is going to be a sneaky good game. I actually feel like this will be entertaining. If you want a game to watch that will be entertaining if you, for some reason, don't want to watch the game that's up next on the slate, this is the one I would pick. So, for the Broncos, open up the passing game. I think I've said this multiple times and people are like, well, Bridgewater, he threw a terrible pick last week. He did but they also don't seem to trust him in the passing game. And also, let's go ahead and look at the weapons. This was a dynamic passing game with the receiving core. Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, and then Tim Patrick as that F receiver or less F receiver, but the number four receiver, right? Well, Hamler's out for the season. Judy was on uh, injury reserve. Guess what? Judy's back. It's going to look... Fun fact, unless you're Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Hall of Famers, it's going to look bad when you don't have your top two targets. Even Patrick Mahomes, without having a Sammy Watkins there, doesn't look right right now. So, it's not me making an excuse. It's me saying it looks different. doesn't mean that you should be inept. It just means it's going to look different. So now he gets Judy back with Cortland Sutton against a secondary that allegedly can't cover anyone. And Tim Patrick can be a very good number three receiver. For the football team, they, it's it's super simple. They they win. They beat the Packers last week if they just convert in the red zone. I already went into it on last last night's show. 
or yesterday's show, I should say, with the whole way I feel about the league and the giving up for Taylor Heineke. I think that was the stupidest call I've seen this entire year. But I'm not in charge of anything, so I'm not going to pretend to be. Anyway, I think it will be an entertaining game. I have the Broncos win 27-24. Funny part about this is the Broncos are three-point favorites, so I have an even here. Can't give you any advice because, again, I unfortunately agree with Vegas. The over-under on this is 44.5. I have the over-hitting here. I think that this will be an entertaining game. Vaughn Miller still hasn't practiced, so you're not going to get a lot of pressure coming from the Broncos side and the Washington football team side. I'm still waiting for those guys to show up. It just It's just a weird situation, to be honest. And a confidence level of 7 for the over-hitting. And now the game that I want to talk to, because look, my fandom is taking over here and I really don't care, but I'm going to get into this. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to New Orleans to play against the Saints. For those of you all who don't know, I am from New Orleans, born and raised, and I happen to be going to the football game. Okay. Here's what I'm going to say. The Saints made some moves this week. Okay. Now, one, I think, is impactful from an inspirational standpoint. That's trading for Mark Ingram, who's probably going to play in the game. I don't know how much he's going to play, but he'll be helpful even if he plays 15 snaps, especially in things like pass pro, being able to be in the backfield so Kamara can be split out and be in that matchup nightmare, something that they did not have earlier in the season, especially with Tony Jones being gone. Now you have a veteran who understands what's going on, who's been in this offense. But here's the real thing that I want to talk about. You know, for the first time all season, the Saints have the intended starting lineup on defense as defensive tackle David Onyemata is back off of his six-game suspension. Just understand this. The Saints have been good without one of their starting defensive linemen, but let's go further into it. You know, the defense has only been healthy in two games this season, or relatively healthy. That was the first one against the Packers and this past Monday night against the Seahawks. Do you know what they did in those two games? Want to be real? They gave up a combined 13 points and 448 yards in those games. For you all who think that, oh, you know, whatever, they gave up 219 and 229, respectively. So it's just the level of, the lack of understanding of how good that Saints defense actually is. Is it 85 Bears or, you know, 2001 or 2000 Ravens? No, I'm not saying that. What I am saying is this is easily a top five unit, if not the best defense in the entire NFL, even better than Buffalo, because when they've been healthy, they have played better than any other defense in the entire NFL. Now, for the Bucs, they have to function with vision, and that's on both sides of the ball. The defense has to literally make sure they see what's coming. I know that it sounds easier said than done, but they have to. The Saints have fooled the Bucs for years now, even when the Bucks have had all this talent. So they have to play with vision. And on the offensive side of the ball, very similarly, have to play with vision. They have a really good offensive line, but for some reason, the Saints have been able to generate pressure against Tom Brady. And without guys like an Antonio Brown, this could be a very frustrating game for a guy like Brady. On the Saints side, they have to. And I think this is the game when they were going to unleash it. I thought they were going to unleash it against the Giants, and they did to a little Look, for a little bit, hard play action fakes with over-the-top shots. You saw against the Giants, anyone, I was in the building, they had one call back, steals, but Jameis was hitting those guys in stride in the building. This game against the Seahawks, I think it gave 
them such confidence in Jameis, even though you all don't think it did. I think the confidence came from Jameis had plenty of opportunities to make mistakes and he didn't fall for banana and tailpipe. In fact, he did the smart stuff. Threw the ball away, threw the ball on the ground, took off and run and got five yards. Take the check down. At every turn, he made the right decision based on what he's been taught. And this is the perfect time in a situation where you're going to need to score points because against Seattle, they didn't need to. They didn't need to go put up points. They're going to need to put up some points. The Bucs are going to score. I think the Saints will unleash Jameis Winston in this game. My prediction on this one, and hey, call me a homer, but I'm literally saying this, and maybe it's homerism. It's Saints 28-27. Now, what gives me some comfort here? The game opened at 5, and this is when I wrote this show. It was five points for the Bucks, So I had the Saints covering that five easily. So I had them with a conference level of eight. By the time I turned my phone on just now to start recording them, it's already been bet down to four and a half. I'm just saying, I'm not the only person who thinks like this. It's not just me. And trust me, there's not enough people in New Orleans to be making that line move. That's all I'm saying. The over under is 50. So I have the over hitting here with a conference level of six. I think this could be an under game. So. Sometimes these teams do play an under game and they have played these games sometimes a little tighter than this. 50 points is a pretty good line to put up. I just felt that considering how both teams are going to function, both teams have not just good, not just great, but excellent run defenses. The way that they're going to have to attack, the Bucs will be passing because that's Tom Brady's thing. The Saints can take advantage of a secondary that honestly, in my opinion, is not that good against the pass. Carlton Davis is a good corner. Antoine Winfield Jr. is a good safety that defends well back there, but they're not great against the pass. We can get over the top of them. It's going to be a long day. So that's my prediction on that game. Who that? Um, as far as the Sunday night game, it's going to be the Dallas Cowboys and the Minnesota Vikings. Now for Dallas, it's all about Dak's health. This is a game that's going to be dictated by how healthy Dak Prescott is. So at this stage, he's slated to play but he's also compromised. I'm taking that into consideration. Now for the Minnesota Vikings, make the Cowboys D play slow. They have to make them play slow on D. What do I mean by that? The Cowboys want to get after you. They want to apply pressure. Okay. So you got to make sure that you take care of this. You got to make sure that you don't allow them to actually uh, get that pressure. So you alleviate that pressure by you handle that pressure by just they just have to make them play slow on defense. So we're going to move on to the prediction. Minnesota Vikings 31-28. That's my prediction on this one. Again, Dak's health is something that comes into play here. And it is Unfortunate at this time that we don't have enough information to make a determination. The, the Vikings are favored in this game because they're at home by a point and a half. So I technically have the Vikings covering, but I only have a confidence level of four. Again, this is going to be a situation where I actually wouldn't touch this game until game day. Being that I'm doing this show on a Thursday, I don't have enough information to actually make a bet on this game. Over under is 54. I technically have the over. Again, confidence level of four here where... It will depend on the health of Dak Prescott. That's going to move the needle in this game. And then, 
the final game that we're going to go over. It's going to be the Monday night game. The New York Giants going to the middle of the country to play against the Kansas City Chiefs. I think the Kansas City has the second most or most fountains in a city or something like that. There's some sort of stat on that. Go ahead and look it up. Apparently, it's a beautiful place to go visit as well. So the X factor here for the Chiefs. Mahomes apologized. So he needs to be basic this week. And by basic, I mean they just need to get back to basics. He doesn't need to be the all-star. They need to just win a game that's super winnable, keep themselves afloat at 4-4, four and four, and that's what they, how they can be successful this week. For the Giants, continue to use Jones as an athlete. Basically, Daniel Jones has been unleashed in some respects for what he is. He is very athletic. He uses his legs well, and also... He can throw the ball, especially when you put defenses in pressure positions because they're fear for your legs. My prediction on this one is actually a closer one than some people may think. I have the Chiefs winning 28-21. I do think that they get more basic. I do think they run the ball more. But I also think that defense is still broken. And until they get it fixed, remove some pieces, add some pieces, and move some pieces around, it's going to be a problem. Betting odds on this one. The Chiefs are 9.5 point favorites. So I have the Giants covering. Only a confidence level of 3. Again, this can easily be a game that gets away from the Giants. But I do expect the Chiefs to just play a more under-controlled game. And that 9.5 point spread not be one that is covered easily. The over-under on this is 52.5. So I have the under-hitting in this particular matchup. I say it's a pick situation. I'm giving a confidence level of 5 on it. So that's the last game on the slate. Again... Week 8 should be a very interesting one. The entertaining game that I really want people, if I wasn't going to watch the Saints and Bucks game, I would be watching out for that football team and Denver Broncos game. I think that'll be a super entertaining game. So my closing thoughts are this. When things don't go the way that you expect or things don't go as planned, it is extremely easy to react poorly. Trust me, it is very easy to react poorly. What I'll say is this, ask yourself, was it intentional? Were these things happening because someone tried to make things happen or, you know, anything was done to negatively impact you in a way that, you know, wasn't just happenstance and if the case is that nothing was done intentionally to you it was just happenstance understand that that's life and don't try your hardest to not act react negatively especially if it's involving people because if they're not doing it intentionally just pretend like it's you you would hope that they had the grace if it was you that had negatively impacted someone else the grace to just say you know what life happens we're good So that's just the advice that I want to give. I try to give to myself every day. As long as there's not negative intent, ill intent, anything like that, things don't go your way, it's okay. Try to provide grace because you may need it in the future. All right, folks, that's the end of the show. Remember, if you want to, you can follow me on Twitter. My handle is at CJFlorida9. That's at CJ, the entire state of Florida spelled out in the number nine. Uh, We'll be coming with Fantasy Football Fridays tomorrow. I'll try to get you some good information as well. Until then, take care and enjoy the game tonight between the Green Bay Packers and the Arizona Cardinals. Bye-bye.